0: What's new? How is the world treating you? My name is Ed Peters and I welcome you to What's New. We continue today with our introduction to the book of Romans. We have already looked at the date and the place of the writing, the major theme of the book, and the purpose for the writing of the letter. Now we want to look briefly at the content of the letter. Paul begins by surveying the spiritual condition of all mankind. He finds Jew and Gentile alike to be sinners and in need of salvation. That salvation has been provided by God through Jesus Christ and His redemptive work on the cross. It is a provision, however, that must be received by faith a principle by which God has always dealt with mankind, as the example of Abraham shows. Since salvation is only the beginning of Christian experience, Paul moves on to show how the believer is freed from sin, law, and death, a provision made possible by his union with Christ in both death and resurrection. And by the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Paul then shows that Israel, too, though presently in a state of unbelief, has a place in God's sovereign redemptive plan. Now she consists of only a remnant allowing for the conversion of the Gentiles, but the time will come when all Israel will be saved. The letter concludes with an appeal to the reader to work out their Christian faith in practical ways, both in the church and in the world. None of Paul's other letters state so profoundly the content of the gospel and its implications for both the present and the future.
1: bells are ringing. Mark ye well the song we sing. Glad some tidings caroling, caroling, now we bring. Ding caroling, dong caroling, ding darling, Christmas bells are caroling. Caroling caroling near and far Christmas bells are ringing. Following following yonder star Christmas bells are ringing. Sing we ling- Happy morn, though the King of Heaven is born. Ding dong, ding dong, Christmas bells are ringing.
0: The book of Romans is the most systematic of Paul's letters. It reads more like an elaborate theological essay than a letter. The number and importance of the theological themes touched upon are impressive. Sin, salvation, grace, faith, righteousness, justification, sanctification, redemption, death, and resurrection. There is a widespread use of Old Testament quotations. Although Paul regularly quotes from the Old Testament in his letters, in Romans the argument is sometimes carried along by such quotations, especially in chapters 9 through 11. We also see in this book Paul's deep concern for Israel. He writes about her present status, her relationship to the Gentiles, and her final salvation. Now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder.
2: The Apostle Paul had a drive and a zeal that has seldom been matched by anyone in the history of Christendom. After he had planted Christian churches in many of the key centers on many of the main thoroughfares in and around Asia Minor and Greece, Paul was anxious to find new frontiers in which to present the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. It was his dream to go to Spain. On his way, he would stop at Rome, where a Christian community was flourishing. But first, he would write to them. This he did from Corinth just before he set out for Jerusalem. The letter to the Romans is a long and detailed letter. If Rome was simply to be a stopover on his way to Spain, why so long and so detailed? Answer? Perhaps Paul wanted the church at Rome to become his headquarters in the West and he wanted the Christians there to know in detail what the gospel was and what Paul believed. He wrote to them explaining the gospel carefully so that the Roman Christians could study it before he got there. Or it is also possible that Paul wasn't sure he'd ever make it to Rome. Since the unbelieving hostile Jews had so often tried to kill him, perhaps this time, since he was going to Jerusalem, they would be successful. Paul wanted the Romans and others to whom he no doubt sent this letter to have a full explanation of the gospel. The true gospel was too important not to put its details down on paper, so he wrote Romans. I noted yesterday and today that perhaps the major purpose of Paul in writing this letter called Romans was to present a detailed statement of the gospel. He wanted people to know what the gospel is. In spite of Paul's clear presentation, there is still to this day confusion as to exactly what that gospel is. If there is still confusion as to the nature of the gospel, then it is urgent even in our day, in our world, to hear Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul makes it clear that justification before God comes only by grace through faith. I must, however, surface a second reason Paul had for writing the letter, a second purpose. In the churches at Rome, there were both Gentiles and Jews. Which was predominant is really not important, but that there was tension between the two is obvious from Paul's letter. Evidently, some of the Christian Jews insisted that for Gentiles to become Christians, they needed to exercise faith in Christ, but beyond that, They needed to submit to circumcision and to certain other requirements of the law. They taught that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, but that he was the Messiah for Israel, and that Gentiles, non-Israelites, had to come under the banner of Israel. They had to be incorporated into the true Israel, and that included certainly circumcision and other legal requirements. Actually, these Jews were saying that there was more to the gospel than just grace and faith. Gentiles needed to virtually become Jews in order to become Christians. Paul speaks to this point by detailing the gospel of grace and faith. But what about the Gentiles? How did they look at this whole matter of the gospel and the church? Apparently, the Gentiles, like the Jews, were arrogant too. God had set aside the Jews and included the Gentiles in his plan of salvation. The Jews had failed. Their representatives had rejected their Messiah and had crucified him. Now God had grafted in the Gentiles. But Paul reminds the Gentiles that the setting aside of the Jews was temporary only. It was not permanent. Actually, there might even be certain advantages for the Jews. Paul said the gospel was first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. Historically and chronologically, the Jew had priority. On the other hand, Jews and Gentiles are all alike under sin. All exactly alike need God's grace and forgiveness. The way of salvation for both is exactly the same. In order to extend grace to the Gentiles, the Jews... Represented by their leaders, having rejected Jesus as their Messiah, God, according to plan, temporarily interrupted his program for his chosen nation and included the Gentiles equally in the church. When the full number of the Gentiles has come in, as Paul puts it in chapter eleven twenty-five, then God will again fulfill his promises to Israel. So there was tension between the Christian Jews and the Christian Gentiles in the city of Rome, as also elsewhere. That is one of the purposes of Paul in this letter, to speak to this tension and to solve it. So here are two great purposes for this letter. Number one, to give in detail the gospel of grace through his gift of faith. And number two, to speak to the tension between the Christian Gentiles and Christian Jews. Yesterday I asked the Renewal Singers to sing about faith. Today I've asked them to sing about grace, the two great elements in the gospel. God gave Jesus Christ in death. That was pure grace. He also gives to us, you and I, the ability to respond and accept that gift by faith. Grace and faith, both are a gift from a loving caring God.
1: I meet with pain and sorrow And there's trouble on the way But I have the sweet assurance That my soul Fishing for me And His love is abundant And free And what joy fills my soul Just to know, just to know That His grace Sufficient for me When the tempter Brings confusion And I don't for me, and His love is abundant and free. And what joy fills my soul, just to know, just to know that His grace. soul, just to know, just to know, that he